1: Hey, Next on the T Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show. I really appreciate all your support. If you're enjoying the show, please go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. You'll see a tab to vote right there on their homepage. Stay up to date with our guest schedule by going online to nextontheT.net. I really appreciate you. Enjoy the segment. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade and their TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw, check. Low fade, check. Bump and run, out of the sand or flop shot, check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better than them all, and that's the all-new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it high over the trees, under, or maybe even through them, hit TP5 or TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online at TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. Okay, now back in next on the Tee with me is Champions Tour Pro and SiriusXM radio host, John Cook. John is from Toledo, Ohio, but grew up in Southern California. He went back and played his college golf at Ohio State, where he was a three-time All-American. He helped them win three consecutive Big Ten titles from 1977 to 1979 and the 1979 National Championship. He won six individual titles while he was at Ohio State, He also won the Les Bostad Award for the lowest stroke average in the conference each year from 1977 to 79. He was inducted into the Ohio State Hall of Fame in 1986. John won the U.S. Amateur Championship in 1978 and finished second to Mark O'Meara in 79. John won several amateur championships, including the California State Am in 1975 and the Ohio Amateur in 1978 and 79 as well. He turned pro later on in 79. Got his first win on the PGA Tour in 1981 at the Bing Crosby National Pro-Am by beating Hale Irwin, Bobby Clampett, Ben Crenshaw, and Barney Thompson in a playoff. He won again in 1983 at the Canadian Open, this time beating Johnny Miller in a playoff. In all, John won 11 times on the PGA Tour and 10 times so far on the Champions Tour. He has seven top 10 finishes in majors. He was named the 1992 PGA Tour Comeback Player of the Year. In 2013, he was inducted into the Southern California Golf Association's Hall of Fame, and I'm excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, John, thanks for coming back on the show.
0: Well, Chris, thank you for having me. It's a uh, it's an honor to be on your last show this season, and uh, with Tim Simpson, Owen Brown, and and uh, it, what a what a lineup, really. It's um, <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you for having me.
1: I appreciate you, John. So, John catches up. So last time we had the privilege of spending some time with you was back at the end of March. And for a guy who has three jobs now, I mean, you play on the <laughs> Champions Tour periodically. You're in in the broadcast booth. You're on the radio on Sirius XM. You got to be busier now than when you were a full time player on the PGA Tour. How are things going? Well, I'll tell you what, Chris. It's awfully nice.
0: It's uh, it, it has been busy. I, I didn't think retirement was going to be this busy. Actually, retired <laughs> <We> from. <laughs> Playing competitive golf really a couple years ago, and I I'll dabble in one or two a year, and that's about it. But um, um, Golf Channel has been uh, keeping me busy, and and thankful thankful for that. They took a chance on me a few years ago, and they you know kept kept me on board. And of course, with uh, with Sirius being on uh, Craig Cant's show uh, every you know, every Wednesday evening um, you know, on on his show, we've kind of kept that going. We did a show together for a couple of years and I did a, a, so, a, a show by myself for a year. Um So it's, it's nice to be back on his show and periodically on some of the other shows. So um yeah, I am pretty busy. It's, uh, it's amazing that um, my wife keeps reminding me that, you know, in, in this career, she never thought I would ever talk this much. I, I <laughs> hardly ever talked for the first, you know, 40 years that we were together. And now the last five that we've been together, I'm, I'm talking all the time. So it's kind of shocking to her, but it's kind of fun.
1: And John, you are you're so good in uh in the booth on, on golf channel or whether it's on when like you say your your previous solo show on Sirius XM or the time that you and Craig spend together now. Talk about the transition from being a player to being in the booth. Was that hard to do or did it come naturally for you?
0: I, I can't say it came naturally. I had, you know, a great mentor, you know, on the golf course with Ken Venturi, but I also I paid a lot of attention to him while he was, uh, doing the telecast and we talked a lot. Um, I never thought I'd get into this side of the business, honestly. Um, you know, when golf channel you know, took that chance and, and I worked a little bit, uh, you know, for NBC early on. Um, it, I would say yes and no. Yes. Yeah, yes. In the way that, you know, you have a boss, you have uh, a producer and you have people in your ear. And that was kind of interesting to get used to with just people talking over myself talking. And once I kind of got the hang of that and just kind of learned how to phrase things, uh, you know, a little bit shorter, not too long-winded, but give enough information that, you know, it's interesting. Um, It's basically just like you and me talking golf. You know, I, I want to be talking just what I'm thinking out loud. And I, I was always a, a man of a player of simple thoughts, simple uh ideas simple routine and I tried to keep that simple uh when I'm um uh, in the booth or or on the golf course uh calling a shot so just like you and I talking golf and that's the way I want it to feel relaxed just like we're up you know buddies up just you know chatting away or watching golf so I'm watching golf with a couple buddies um you know that's how I would want to talk about what shot is uh is happening in front of me so um, once I learned that and, and ter- learned to relax in the booth a little bit and, uh, you know, watch the pros, we get to work with such great people, Chris, uh, whether it's Bob Papa, uh, George Tabarica, Steve Sands, um, you know, and of course, Lanny Watkins, Billy Ray Brown. I mean, it's such a great crew that I get to work with on the PJ Tour champions. It, it makes it fun. It makes it easy. The producers are always fun. They keep things light. They keep things relaxed and it just relaxes you even more. So um transition you know I, I i wanted to stay in the game i wanted to talk about the game i you know of this game have since i was a kid and i just really wanted to kind of portray that and get that across to uh the listeners and um you know gain their trust and maybe gain their respect a little bit
1: and john sometimes when you're either on the golf channel or doing your radio show you're kind of put in the position where you have to be critical of a player maybe a shot that they hit or Something they've mm-hmm. done. Was that hard? Was it, you, know, you were out there. You were one of those guys. And now sometimes <laughs> yeah. you're in a position of being a little critical of one of them. Was that mm-hmm. tough? Uh, a,
0: a little bit, Chris, to be honest. I was more critical about to myself than anybody. Um, I was, you know, overly harsh <laughs> a lot to myself and people that played with me or worked for me or was around me, uh, pretty much understood that. Um, but it, it it's, it's not difficult to call a, a shot, a shot, a poor shot, a you know, misplayed shot, uh wrong side, but I think I can do it in a way that it's not personal. It's just observational and uh, get that point across that, uh, you know, that's not what he was looking for. He certainly didn't want it there. You know, if you're in this position, you got to be looking 25 feet right of the hole, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I think that the guys, have. You know, if they go back and listen to it, know that I'm, I'm not critical of them personally. I'm just calling the shot as I would tell myself. Oh no, you don't want it there. You know, you big dummy, don't hit it there. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and I think that they understand that they appreciate it. I haven't had anybody ever come up to me and say, Hey, you know what? I, you know, you really called this one. I, you know, it really hurt me. You know, they, they say that, you know, you call it right. You know, you call it as you see it. You call it as you played it. And uh, I think that they respect that. I, I don't I don't ever want to be personal um, calling a
1: shot. John, we've been talking a lot about the Ryder Cup on this show over the last several weeks. And we went into the event wondering if some of the members of the U.S. team could even stand to be in the same team room together. <laughs> and then we exit the event thinking that, you know, this team, they're young. They could dominate the Ryder Cup now for the next several years. What did you think about what you saw? And how did that compare to what you thought was going to happen versus what actually transpired? You know, what I saw was going to
0: happen was that they were all going to band together. Uh, Steve Stricker is that type of guy. Um, he will get guys to, to band together for a common cause. And that's what the captain is supposed to do. Then it's up to the players to perform. Um, you know, the bottom line is the players don't perform. The captain gets the loss. So uh, that's unfortunate, but, uh, Steve Stricker did a, a great job of getting that team room and getting those pods, the right people, the right players in those four pods, um, to, to play as, you know, as, as they should, the three pods, I'm sorry. Um, and, and they did, they performed and, you know, he, he makes them him look like a genius and he kind of was on putting the personnel together that needed, that he needed to win the Ryder Cup and to dominate the Ryder Cup and certainly they went out you know day 1 match 1 and man this this team looks driven they look motivated they look uh like they're concentrating and executing and they were having some fun along the way and that's what's been missed is you know kind of that is just having you know having fun um you know while while you're playing which is it's tough when you're getting your rear end handed to you it's not enough, not much fun to lose that's for sure um, but that's what I saw, Chris, is they banded together. The pairings were dynamic. The pairings were spot on, every single one. Uh, you knew that Patrick Cantley was going to play with Xander Shoffley, uh, in, in the, in the, in the foursomes. Um, you just knew that because they, they, they play together all the time. They play practice rounds together. You knew that that partnership was going to go. Um, you knew some of the other ones were going to be perfect. And you know what? The the guys executed and they did it, you know, masterfully. Um, they wanted it badly. And another thing that they got to remember that none of these players really, they first of all, they hate to lose on, on, obviously, but they're not used to losing. Um, so that was a little bit different mindset going in. This is why do we have to lose all the time? Well, I, I, I've i never lost. And so that's why that, you know, it, it made it even more important, um, that this one was, turned out the way it did.
1: And John, you mentioned Patrick Cantley, and here's a guy who had a tremendous year, winning four times, including the tour championship here in Atlanta. He won player of the year honors. And then he goes to the Ryder Cup and goes three oh and one, including beating <laughs> Shane Lowry four and two in the singles matches. I know he's a guy that you've worked with in the past. Talk about his progression as a player.
0: Oh, Chris, it's it's amazing to see someone like Patrick uh you know come along. Known Patrick now since he was a, a mid teenager. Uh, at Virginia Country Club and Jamie Mulligan's program, his junior program he grew up in. He was always hanging around, you know, the guys that Jamie was working with at the time, including myself, Paul Goidos, John Malinger, John Merrick, uh, Pete Tomasulo. Um, they've all come through that system. Um, and to see Patrick around and, you know, going from a, a skinny little kid into growing into a young man to growing into a grown man, um, has been just amazing. He was always there asking questions. He was always wanting to get better. He was, you know, he wanted to join our groups. He had no problem, you know, us hitting it, you know, that far by him because we knew at some point that was, that wasn't going to last. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was just great to be around uh, Patrick, um, see him, you know, how he progressed as a player, how, how he progressed as a young man into a, into a gentleman. Um, you know, pretty proud of, of Patrick and, you know, not, not just be uh, on the golf course and what he's done. And he deserves all the credit that he's been getting because he's an incredibly hard worker. He knows exactly where he wants to go in this game. Um, and he's doing it the right way. It's not, you know, one big flash in the pan. He has progressed to this point to earn all these accolades that, that he's been earning. But off the course, he had, you know, some, some very serious personal issues. Um, Remember talking to him when his just after his you know, great friend, um, you know, was unfortunately got killed in a in a car accident, got hit by a car right in front of his eyes. That really hurt him, obviously, you know, quite a, quite a lot. As he was also battling some real prominent back issues, um, you know, we talked about him wanting to keep playing or if he wanted to play. And I remember, you know, saying to him that you know, you, you'll never know unless you give yourself that chance. If you love the game, it'll come back to you, but you have to want you have to want to do it if you don't want to do it Patrick, you can go on and do anything you'll be great at whatever you want to do but you know if you want to play um you know this is this is how we're going to have to go about it and uh, you know he he certainly has done that, and he's you know given his you know his his best um, to stick to his program to stick stick to his system um and it's worked out great happy for very happy for Patrick
1: and John with all the hype and the excitement around team events like the Ryder Cup the Solheim Cup the President's Cup the Walker Cup things like that I kept wondering why don't we have a similar event on the Champions Tour fans like me would love to see you guys rekindle those old rivalries and now we learn about the World Champions Cup which is set for next November so November of 2022 and um Boy, I I couldn't be more excited to watch it. I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, and if that's something that you're excited about as well.
0: Oh, absolutely, Chris. Uh, I think the, uh, the, champ- the 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 event the is it, going to be a great event for for all of golf. It's going to showcase to the world the fifties and, and, and overs. Uh, I, I think I'm a little bit past that, so unfortunately, I won't get to participate. But uh, you know, to to have the idea. You know, come to fruition with uh, Ernie Els, Darren Clark, and Jim Furyk as the captains of the three teams. Uh, so we we're going to have, you know, a, a rest of the world. We're going to have a Europe and a, and a U.S. Uh, team, I, I think is great because there's some great players from around the world that are 50 and over uh, that have had great careers. And, you know, we just uh, you get that second chance to prolong your career and you have, you know, players like Ernie Ells and Darren Clark and Jim Furyk, um Committing to the PGA Tour Champions and focusing on the PGA Tour Champions, that says a lot about what that product is all about. And I think to showcase that, um, late next year, I think it, is a wonderful thing. It, it's going to be a great event. Um, uh, and like I said, it's just going to, you know, give, um, uh, you know, great exposure to, you know, w- what, what you can do after the age of 50. You don't have to hang them up. You know, these guys are still really good and playing some great golf. Um,
1: so it'll be very, very interesting. Um, and I think it'll be fascinating to watch. And John, talk about match play and your experience doing that from a strategic perspective. How is match play different than stroke play? Was your strategy, was it different from shot to shot based on what your opponent just did? Or did you go out with a mindset to say, Hey, look, I'm going to shoot the best score I can on each hole and however the chips fall, they fall.
0: So how I approached match play, uh, Chris was, Maybe a little different, but it, it was, it worked for me. I was successful in a lot of match play. Um, so I would, I would go out in each match early on and just try to beat the golf course, not give anything away, not, you know, just don't give things away. Um, I wanted to beat the golf course. And if I was beating the golf course, I was probably going to be close to either leading in my match. Or, or, or you know, tied or very, very close, then I would have, then I would adjust. Uh Then I, then I would get down to what do I need to do to win this hole? It doesn't really matter, you know, what I make on the hole. How am I going to win this hole? And it, you know, that may not have come along until, you know, early in the back nine on, you know, then playing the player to finish the match out. So I, I figured if I was beating the golf course, I had a really, really good chance to be up in the match. And then I would adjust. close the match out.
1: John, switching gears a little bit, one of our mutual good friends is former NFL safety Vency Glenn. Vency and I were talking a while back, and he told me a story about you making double eagle at the Green Monkey Golf Course down in Barbados. Talk about (laughs) playing golf with Vency in that shot. Oh, my.
0: That that, (laughs) that takes us way back. We were were there for uh, uh, Tiger Woods a wedding weekend and uh we were fortunate enough to be invited down there and we had a, a great little golf outing on a course that wasn't even open yet the green monkey down there in barbados at sandy lane it was a wonderful wonderful golf course and we had a we had a blast so i was i was playing with uh with vinci i was playing with um uh tigers trainer at the time keith clevin and mark steinberg who was our agent um and uh sure enough we we get around to you know, one of the par fives. Now, I won't say what was, else was going on while we were, you know, playing in this event, but there was little stations here and there where you could sample some different things. And uh, <laughs> this was getting towards the end of the day, and I had sampled a few things. And sure enough, I had never made a double eagle in my life. And yeah, I got up there and hit a driver four iron right in the hole. And I looked at the guys and they went, Oh, so you got a new routine, huh?
1: <laughs> this is this is this
0: is what it takes. And then the next hole was this like long, long par three that I almost made a one. So I made a, you know, I hold a four iron and almost hold a three iron back to back, and you know, that's when uh you know Vincey, uh, we had a greater appreciation for what professional golfers could do. <laughs> we go back. Vince, Vincey was a great guy. We had we had a lot of great talks about you know what he what he did in his career and you know, how much I appreciated, you know,
1: the professional athletes and and what he did. So he became a good friend. John, we mentioned your time at Ohio State. And I want to go back as a kid from Southern California going out to Ohio State, as I recall from our previous conversations, Jack Nicholas, Tom Weisskopf were a generation before you there, but very influential in your decision to go there. Talk about how they convinced you, a Southern California kid, to go to Ohio State. Yeah,
0: it was was interesting. Jack wrote me a, a, a wonderful uh, letter, a, a note, and this is way back when, you know, alumni could actually help in the recruiting process. It has come back that way, but, you know, there for a while, it, that went away. You couldn't do that. Um, but Jack wrote me a wonderful a letter. It wasn't just a, I mean, it was explaining why, you know, the, 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 the good about, you know, what, what program was about, about Coach Brown, because, uh, Coach Jim Brown played just after Jack and with Tom. Um so they were they were quite friendly. Um so you know, Jack's letter was, you know, of course, kept that. Gotta keep that. Um but Tom Tom would give me a ring, maybe you know, once a week or every couple of weeks. Um the phone would ring, we'd be sitting down to dinner and you know, the phone would ring and sister or somebody was gonna get up and answer it and they'd go, Hey, it's uh Tom's on the phone and I didn't have any friends that were really named Tom and once he, we figured out it was Tom Weisskopf and we, um, he, he, he took the time to, to call me and we chatted a few times. And that, uh, not that that sold me on the school because when I went back for my visit, that, that sold me on the school, you know, making the decision, um, you know, a, a couple months later that, uh, you know, that I would attend Ohio State. Um, but, uh, Tom was very influential and we maintained that, uh, that friendship and that acquaintance uh, for a, quite a long time, uh, through my, through college, uh, through my first years on tour, uh, you know, through, you know, his last years on tour, we played a lot of practice rounds together. Uh, we talked a lot about course design and, and paying attention to the golf courses that you were playing, um, and understanding what the architect was trying to do, uh, and understanding the things about that. Cause it was fascinating to talk to Tom about, uh, about golf course architecture. You know, back, even way back in those days. So it was, uh, I learned a lot from Tom and, and, uh, you know, we, we hope he's doing well. He's, he's gone through a, some real personal stuff with his health. And, uh, we, we just, you know, wish the best for Tom because he, you know, Lanny Watkins and I talk about it all the time. Why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy. I know he's only, he's got one major and, you know, he's runner up at the Masters four times and maybe, he needed one more major, but he's got 17 wins. He's such a, a great influence in the game, you know, as far as ball and going head-to-head with Jack and Lee and Raymond and, you know, the, the greats of the game. Um, we just kind of you know, keep kind of chiming in on Tom Tom Weisskopf should be in the Hall of Fame.
1: John, just a couple more before I let you go, and I want to get a playing lesson from you for those of us that are north of our 50th or even 60th birthdays. <laughs>
0: Yes, what advice do be... <laughs> <did> you have?
1: <laughs> what yeah. advice do you have to stay flexible and keep our golf swings fluid yeah. and and from you know getting too short and losing distance? How can we keep everything sort of moving in, in, in and in a nice direction and not not lose too much yardage off the tee?
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly it, Chris. Is you have to maintain your mobility and flexibility. And as I was turning fifty, I was kind of losing that, so um, I started working with a. Uh, a a great you know therapist doctor named Tim Brown out in Newport Beach uh just a guru of a, a lot of that keeping mobile and flexible he he worked on some of the greatest athletes that you you would ever know i mean his his list is a who's who i, I promise you um and he got me in hold in in touch with a, a trainer named Justin France and and between the three of us or the two of them they put together a program for me just to Just to maintain mobility and flexibility. As we age, we get shorter. We've done, we've always done is hunched over, you know, for how long we played the game of golf. So we just kept working backwards. We kept opening my shoulders, opening my hips, working on fast twitch muscles, do a lot of footwork, a lot of hand eye coordination type stuff. But we were always working backwards. Get on the big um, exercise ball and just Stretch that back and get those shoulders open, get those hips open, um, and that um, that that worked for me for you know so long until I just decided I was you know going to maybe maybe cut down on my golf competitive golf a little bit. But you know as we age, Chris, it's so important to maintain that mobility and flexibility,
1: uh, and um, and and use that to your strengths. John, remind our listeners about your shows and how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's online or it's on social media.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I do, um, a, uh, I, I join Craig Can every Wednesday evening at 730 Eastern uh, on his show for a segment or two. And we talk about things that are going on during the week or what ha- happened over the weekend. So, uh, great fun to have that on, on PJ Tour Radio at, uh, yeah, he's on from seven to nine, so that that's a, a nice little two hour window. Um, then I do all the PJ Tour Champions events for golf channel. Uh sit in the booth now. I don't go out on the golf course much. Uh so I'm I'm in the booth with uh Lanny Watkins and whoever our host of the week might be, and that is usually Bob Popper, or George Stavrikus, uh Wit Watson also joins in. Um, Steve Sands as well, so we got a great host and of course Billy Ray Brown is on the course, so uh, whenever there's PJ Tour Champions event, uh, sitting in the booth. And then, uh, I played a couple of weeks ago at the Pure Insurance, uh, championship at Pebble Beach for my, my one and done. I, I unretired and went back into re-retirement <laughs> for, for a week. So, uh, made the cut. So, hey, that was, that was kind of fun, but you know, those are the things basically that I'm doing, uh, keeping me busy, keeping me talking about our great game of golf and, um, Hopefully you can hear the passion in my, in, in the way that I announce and the things that I talk about because, um, I'm so lucky to have had this game and, and had the support system around me to play this game for as long as I did and be supportive of that. And, um, and, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky as can be to, you know, never have had to really work and <laughs> just go play. And, um, it's, uh, it's been a godsend. And I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky and thankful for, for what I
1: have. Well, we can definitely hear the passion in what you're doing. You're outstanding. John, before I let you go, and I said this to you last time, but Affairs repeating, and it's from your SCGA Hall of Fame speech. You said, my mentor and close friend, Ken Venturi, once told his dad he was really good at golf. And his dad replied, when you're good at something, tell people. But when you're really good at something, they'll tell you. Well, let me tell you, right. you are you are a really good player. You are a really good broadcaster, and you're a wonderful guest in person. And I can't thank you enough for coming back and being part of the show tonight.
0: Uh, my my pleasure, Chris, and I, I congratulate you on all your accolades. It's a, it's a great show, and you deserve everything that's uh, coming
1: your way. I appreciate you having me anytime. Stay safe, John. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. See you, John. Take care. That's a great John Cook. And, folks, it just doesn't get better than John Cook. What a wonderful human being he is. Uh, You can definitely hear the passion when you're watching him on the Golf Channel or on Craig Kahn's show. And like I say, they used to do it together. John did it on his own for a little while. But uh, everything about the guy is just nice and genuine. And he just couldn't be more of a pleasure to be around. Great golf career, great broadcaster, and look forward to catching up with John again next season.